Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and He knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with His design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for His glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. My name is Crystal Maddox, and I have the privilege of participating in Your Birth, God's Way live online childbirth education course. I only learned about Lori and her podcast about two weeks prior to the launch of this course. I'd listened to several episodes and knew I wanted to learn more, so signing up for this course was a no-brainer for me. If you're like me, I didn't know anything about birthing options and what I wanted my quote-unquote birth plan to look like. I didn't even know that was a thing. As a Christian, however, I did know I wanted to glorify God in how I approach my pregnancy and the forming of the precious soul in my womb. Lori has a ton of knowledge that you'll want to play the videos over and over again to get it all in as she goes through all four trimesters, which includes postpartum and decisions needed to be made for your little one when they arrive. It's a no judgment class with Lori's opinions, but she wants you to follow your heart, trust Christ and make the best decisions for you and your baby. This Christ-centered class serves as an amazing resource to help you make those decisions. Personally, I was initially going to have a hospital birth, just following what most folks do in our culture without considering what would be best for me. After learning more about birthing options, I realized I wanted something different for me based on my personality. Lori gave me the confidence to follow my heart, and though I was already 35 weeks, I made the decision to leave my OB and find a birth center. I had a beautiful water birth, and I was able to experience it with a positive attitude based on the information that I learned during this course. Thus, I would highly recommend this course, and I have no doubt it'll bless you as it did me. Mama, I've got big news that I'm so excited to share with you. The replay edition of the Your Birth, God's Way online childbirth education course is now available. Crystal was one of the beautiful mamas I had the honor of working with during the course, and she has gone on to have a God-filled natural birth like she told you, and that's after a complete game change late in pregnancy. She learned so much that she felt confident making a huge pivot long after most moms would. I hope that helps you to see just how comprehensive this course is. So what about you, Mama? Are you yearning to have what Crystal talked about, but you just don't know where to start or you need some help finding your way? This course is for you. When you decide to join the Your Birth, God's Way Christian Childbirth Education Replay Edition, you're going to get instant access to all of this. 12 months of access to the entire course, which includes all eight course videos, which is more than 20 hours of content ready at your fingertips, audio downloads of the classes to take on the go, two relaxation tracks to help you practice calming your mind and focusing on God as you approach birth, printable handouts for all of the classes, 
affirmation cards with reminders to help you block out the negative and keep your eyes on him, a nutrition worksheet to go along with the module that is absolutely crammed full of information on how to keep yourself low risk by giving your body the foods God designed you to have. And the best part, you're going to get 12 months of opportunities to attend live question and answer sessions with me where I'll answer the questions that you submit. You'll get to interact directly with me to make sure that you get the answers that you need in a way that you understand. So even though this course covers everything under the sun, on the off chance I didn't hit something you wanted to learn about, you'll get a year to get your answers, which means not only will you get the time when you're pregnant, but also after you're well into your postpartum and breastfeeding time. When I tell you this course is everything, believe me, it's everything. No stone is left unturned and no question is left unanswered. You will walk away with everything you need to have the best chance at having the birth you've dreamed of with God at the center. So if you're ready, head over to yourbirthgodsway.com slash replay course and get signed up today. That's yourbirthgodsway.com slash replay course to learn more and to get signed up. I cannot wait to see your name pop up in the roster. I know this course is going to bless you, Mama, so don't wait any longer. Go get signed up right now. Today is the much-anticipated second half of my interview with Rachel Clark from Harvest Midwifery in Harvest, Alabama. If you missed the first half of the interview, you're definitely going to want to go back and listen to that first so that you're all caught up. We recorded this interview to help you understand better how certified professional midwives are trained and what home birth care looks like so that you can make an informed decision for yourself. While I've seen it and done it before, I wanted to give you a new up-to-date perspective from someone who provides this care right now. I hope this information is helpful to you and that you enjoy the second half of the interview. So um, a couple of things I want to revisit that you said just for clarification, because me and you can talk and we know what all these things are, oh, yeah. but mamas don't know. So she made reference to taking Pitocin and Cytotec and Methogen. Well, you know that Pitocin and Cytotec are two drugs that we tell you, no, those. that's during labor. During labor, those <clears throat> things tend to cause problems. After the baby is out, if you are having problems with bleeding, those things can solve some problems. So that is, that's why she brings those things. Those are drugs that we would give in a hospital as well. Uh, if you were bleeding too much to help control the, control the bleeding, she made reference to a bag and mask. That's just kind of the thing you've seen before. That's got the little, the little squishy mask that goes over the face and the bag is what you squeeze to give the baby some extra breasts. Cause one of the first things you do, if a baby is just kind of not coming around, not really just jumping in there and starting to to breathe and maybe cry or whatever, um, is to give a few breaths. And so that's what that is. It's just, it's part of NRP that she mentioned, which is neonatal resuscitation program. And that's the training we go through to be able to revive a baby that's having some trouble getting started. So all of that to say, a lot of the things that you're the most scared about, we are well prepared to handle. I know so many of you are afraid of, you know, what if this for my baby? What if I bleed? What if that we are, we have tools available and we know how to use them <laughs> to stabilize you yeah. in just about any situation. And that was the other thing that I didn't 
really talk much about. We make sure that we're checking blood pressure and pulse, making sure that you're safe to continue this process. Like their risk assessment doesn't end when we walk through the door at labor, right? We continue making sure that you're safe to do this. And just because you needed something that a hospital had to offer doesn't mean that you would have died at home without it. And I know they tell you that all the time, but I want you to hear me when I say not all interventions are evil. Not all interventions should be exclusively hands in the hands of the medical industrial complex. There are tools that are needed that save lives in every setting. And that is true. We just don't have to use them as often. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't have access to them and we shouldn't be able to use them when we need them. And we don't have to use them as often. Why? Because we're not inducing people with Pitocin and doing that to distress and finding, oh man, this baby's really struggling. Guess we better get it out. We don't do that. We're very watchful. In my practice, we talk about continuous monitoring all the time. We listen, we, we talk about how we talk about that, especially with VBACs, how they should have continuous monitoring. Okay. What does continuous monitoring mean? Does that mean that you have to be hooked up to the external cardiac monitor for your baby? Or maybe your midwife can sit in the corner of the room and watch your facial expressions and feel your belly and tell how strong your contractions are or see that you're looking like you're not getting a break in between contractions or listening to your baby every 15 minutes and saying, Mm, something's not quite right. What about that kind of continuous monitoring? You can't get that in a hospital and there's no replacement for a human. I tell people that all the time. That's a different kind of continuous You think that you're being, being in a hospital makes you safer because you have all this monitoring, but that monitor is connected to a computer. The computer is connected to a big screen at the nurse's station that somebody may or may not be watching. And they, they usually if it's a big hospital, we'll have somebody that that's their job is to watch the monitor all the time, but there's a delay there. There is a, there is a gap, especially if you happen to have something on your strip strip is what comes out of the, the fetal monitor at the same time that someone else does. And so all the resources have already gone to that room and yours is waiting. Mm -hmm. You don't have that in a home birth setting. You have providers that are there and they are only there for you. Their eyes are only on you and there will be things that they will see and catch that an electronic continuous fetal monitor will never get because they're watching you and your body. And like she said, we know how to use our hands. We know how to just read the, read the situation in a way, because we rely on that intuition. We don't put our faith all in technology. We put our faith in our knowledge and, and what we know is normal birth. Well, and I would say, you know, Chloe and I were very watchful of each other. So one of the things, one of the reasons why I like having two midwives at a birth is because we are each independent thinkers. And I have found that when there is a true issue, the Lord confirms it in both of us. And so one of us might be looking at the situation and going, mm, do we need to make a different plan? Or the other one might be fine. And then the roles might switch. And then all of a sudden, we both at the same time 
no. Okay, we need to go. And usually that doesn't happen. We don't often have to go. But when we do, we know that we need to. And there's that safety net in having two of us because we're checking each other. I love that. And that's, that's a really good model. And it's, it's beautiful that you all have that. So that actually brings me to my next question is, you know, what is, if there is a time when you got to go, as you say, you, you, it's time to where we've decided that home is not the best place for us to be anymore for one reason or another. Maybe let's talk about what are some of the reasons that you transfer and what does it usually look like? Are they usually emergent transfers or are they more like, okay, well, we need to go, but we don't have to, you know, run or call EMS or something like that. Just kind of tell us what transfers look like when you're in a home birth setting. So it really depends on when it happens, right? So most of the time, if a transfer happens in labor, right? So you're having contractions and um, stuff like that. If we have a if we have to go during labor, it's usually because mom's been in labor for a really long time and we're not having effective contractions anymore and things are just not, she's done with the way this feels. We need to be able to relax her body a little bit so that she can let her baby out. Um, so usually that's the most common reason why there's a transfer um, because labor's hard and sometimes if we're not able to eat and drink because we're sick, nauseated, something like that, and we can't keep up our strength, then we need the things that a hospital has to offer. And when that happens, you get in your car, I get in mine, and we drive to the hospital. And it's fine. And you get fluids and sometimes an epidural and sometimes Pitocin to get you back on track. And we have a baby. Um, occasionally, sometimes baby tells us, with its heart rate on our little external Doppler that it's not tolerating this and its heart rate drops from a normal range down to a range that makes us say, okay, this baby's in trouble and we need to go. And usually even still in that case, we go in your car, a midwife goes in your car, we sit in the back seat and we listen every other contraction or every contraction while we're driving to the hospital. Right. Um, so that's a little more time sensitive but still not a reason why we would call an ambulance. Um, reasons why we would call an ambulance in labor would be if a mom had a seizure or her blood pressure was extremely high and they had drugs that we don't have um, that we needed. Um, so those would be the reasons or we're losing a lot of blood during labor that we shouldn't see and she's just not stable. That doesn't happen very often. I have never seen those things happen in a home birth. Because we're doing that ongoing risk assessment and you're not going to get there unless something crazy happens, which can happen. But that's really, really, really rare. Um, the most common reasons why we would have emergent transfer happen after the baby comes out. And that's usually because mom loses too much blood or baby's just not breathing the way that it should. Um, and it goes back to the two most common emergencies that we see in birth, right? So... Um, we actually had a transfer not all that long ago, probably within the last year. Um, a mom lost a little more blood than she needed to. We tried a couple different medications, gave her some fluids back, and she still just wasn't perking up and getting where she needed to be, um, with her vital signs. And so we called an ambulance and the ambulance came 
they loaded her up on a stretcher to transport her because she just couldn't stand up. She was too dizzy to stand up. And it was like, okay, well, we can't get you out of the house. So we need some help. And that they came, they loaded her up. We went to the hospital. We didn't even run lights and sirens. We just needed some transport help. Right. So sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes a baby just doesn't want to breathe the way it should or settle down its breathing. If they're breathing a little too fast and that doesn't resolve in that first hour or two after birth, out of an abundance of caution, it's not an emergency, but out of an abundance of caution, I'd like your baby somewhere where they can intervene if your baby needs it. Because my job is to stay that two to four hours after birth and make sure everybody's stable. And so typically midwives leave after that. And so there's not really that continual model of staffing because we may have other people that are in labor or other things that are happening. Um, so if your baby's not breathing the way that it should, I'm going to take your baby to the hospital where they can continuously monitor. And usually that baby doesn't need anything other than just somebody else watching it to make sure that it settles down. Occasionally a baby will need some help with breathing to stabilize that breathing rate or something like that. Um, but that doesn't happen very often either. I've transported, let's see, how many, two babies in the last, since 2019, I've transported two babies to the hospital after birth. One needed 24 hours of observation and one needed three days of, you know, just a little mask on its face to help pro provide a little extra oxygen. And that's it. And neither of them needed to be intubated. They were out of the hospital in a couple of days. They were fine. They just needed a little extra. And that doesn't mean that the home birth was a bad idea. It just means that you had a really well-paid lifeguard who could say, hey, this is a little outside the realm of normal now. And we need to go to a place where we have support if we really need more support. And we may not. It may be just fine. We just need a little extra layer. And that's how I talk about hospital care and midwifery care. There are levels of care. Not every woman should start at the highest level of care. Not every woman needs that. Sometimes you just need that basic, normal care from a midwife either at home or a birth center, or even if it is a hospital. Sometimes there are hospital-based midwives who are phenomenal at that. Most of the time not, but most people don't need to start with an OB. And in countries where we have good maternal and child health outcomes, everybody starts with a midwife. They don't start with a surgeon because the surgeon knows how to do surgery and they like their job. Midwives know how to do normal birth, and we like our jobs, too. And uh, I'm so glad you brought that in about starting with a surgeon, because it's kind of like if, if you just think about your general health, if you have a little like, let's say you just roll your ankle or something and you're not really sure what's going on, you don't go straight to the orthopedic surgeon to get checked out. You first go to your doctor, your your general practitioner, nurse practitioner, whoever it is that you see. Oh, like chiropractor. Chiropractor. Somebody, but it's it's who is the 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 first level. And then if if something more involved has happened, 
you move on to the higher level of care. And it's the same thing with pregnancy, how we should be doing this is you start with the ones who are, who are the low level of care, because not because we're low level, like we just don't have the training because you don't want the surgeon looking at you. <laughs> a hammer knows how to find some nails. You don't want to be looked at by a surgeon if you don't need surgery and you want to be treated as normal. Pregnancy is not a disease. It's not an illness. It is a normal part of life that God designed for us to continue the human race. And so you get pregnant and that doesn't mean you're broken or that you need, you have something that needs fixed. So you start with midwives who are experts in normal birth. Let me just tell you, short of a few phenomenal people out there, there are very few OBs that know anything about normal birth because they've never seen it. All they mm -hmm. see is inter birth has been intervened in. Now, there are a few who have usually, usually been um, their paths have crossed with midwives and the midwife has, has gotten their attention enough, their, their style of care has gotten their attention enough to where they're like, wait a minute, that looks better. She has better outcomes. And as a result of that, they go and start learning from them. And then they realize that what they were taught was not right. And it, and I put a quote up not too long ago that Dr. Stu Fishbein, who is the one that's um, doing this breach and twins conference that I'm going to get to go to this week. He, um, he said that pretty much, I can't remember the exact quote, but basically pretty much everything that he learned in residency was either wrong or misused. And yeah. that should tell you something. They're not learning what normal looks like They're, because they don't really respect that it's normal anyway. And so you go to the one who is really good at normal and really good at seeing when you're getting outside of normal and you realize that it's almost never scary. It's interesting that the transports you talked about calling EMS, it's just because it's an adult now and it's hard to carry. You know, if it's, if it's a <laughs> adult and she's still pregnant, she can still walk, there's no problems. We can, it's faster really for us to just put you in the car and start driving rather yeah. than the ambulance to get there. And we're right there with you. Whereas, okay, so baby's out now, baby's doing okay. Mom bled a little too much. She's having some trouble. We can't pick you up <laughs> like a baby. So it's better for right. all for the help because they have the tools again to help lift you and, and, and things like that. So I just, I really want you mamas who are listening to, to really understand home birth is not scary. It's not unsafe. It's not the wild west. It's not something where you're just out there taking a huge chance with your health and your baby's health. No, it's actually very often the safer option because things are not being done to you that don't need to be done. You can rest assured that if any intervention happens at a home birth, it's needed because we we don't want to do them any more than you want them done, but we do respect that they have a place every now and then when they're needed, but we know when to apply it. We don't apply it to everybody because most people don't need it. And so what happens in, in our maternity system is when everybody is treated the same way, you're going to have some people who didn't need those things that those things cause problems in that they would not have had those problems. Had things never been applied to them and they never needed them to start with. And that will not happen in a home birth and, and you, if, if 
if you're one of the maybe one in 10 or so that starts to, to kind of trend outside of what's quote normal, then we, we know where the resources are. It, either we have them or we know where to get them and we will help get you there to where you need to be safe. I will say that's one thing I like about living in Huntsville and doing most of my births here in Madison County is because I'm usually pretty close to resources when I need them. And I have really great relationships with at least two, two physician offices at two different hospitals. So I have that ability to call up that practice and say, hey, this is what I have going on. And this is what I need from you. And they say, okay, we'll see you when you get here. One transport I did one time for a mom who had a retained placenta and was bleeding too much. I called and I was met at the door of labor and delivery by an anesthesiologist, an OB, and a room full of nurses waiting for me to be able to bring this client in and tell them what she needed. And she was completely safe in their hands and well taken care of. And I will never forget that, how I was received. And it was by a physician and an anesthesiologist that I knew. And they knew me. And they knew that if I was bringing this mama in, she needed to be there. And they needed to be exactly where she was. That's how it should be. It's so often that way, but that's how it yeah. should be. We, should, we, we need more OB providers who will respect that when we call, we know what we're saying actually is what's happening. And, you know, like say on the outer edge of, you know, maybe, maybe we think that an abruption's happening. When we call the providers there should not then receive them and start the whole screening process over. That's wasting valuable time, but that's what happens yeah. a lot of places. And it sounds like what you have is a perfect setup because if you call and say, you know, something's not right, you know, I'm thinking maybe we've got an abruption here. Abruption, by the way, is when the placenta lets go before the baby's born. Then they meet you, like you said, at the door, prepared to take care of that thing, not start the process over like you don't know what you're talking about. And that's where moms are most safe. And that's what we need more of in this country. Yes. So I don't want anyone to ever think that I don't love OBs and respect what they do. They are absolutely vital in our society. They are. I just don't think everybody needs to start with one. Exactly. And that we, we over, when we overuse resources, then sometimes we have additional complications that we wouldn't have otherwise had. So interventions, physicians, hospitals, they're not evil. They're not bad. They're very helpful if that's what you need. Exactly. Exactly. Rachel, I've enjoyed this so much. And I thank you so much for sharing a little time with us and telling us more about your practice. Um, if anybody happens to be in the Huntsville area, anywhere around there, maybe give us a little information about, you know, what's the outer bounds of your practice. Um, and then also how people can find out more about you, more about your practice if they want to learn more. Yeah, so our practice is called Harvest Midwifery, and you can go online to our website um, at www.harvestmidwifery.com. 
and fill out a request for consultation. I will tell you that we are going to be off call next year. We are going to take a nice little break so that we can actually go do something fun. Um, so from mid-April to mid-June, we will not be accepting people who are due. Um, but we serve a 45-minute radius of Harvest, Alabama, which is where Chloe lives. She has four kids and she homeschools three of them. So we keep our radius pretty tight. Um, but if you go in and fill out that contact form um, with the information requested, then we can determine whether or not we feel like you're a candidate for a consultation with our practice. And we will sit down and talk about who we are, kind of like we did today and what we do and um, what Care With Us might look like. And um all of those things. So um, if you're due between mid-April and mid-June this coming year, probably not so much. But if you're due before then, we may or may not have availability because we do take a limited number of clients every month. And we keep that number pretty small at three to four. So we cap our practice because we want to be really available to those mamas. And we do a lot of postpartum care. And so we want to make sure that we are fully present and able to do the things that we know that we need to do which is a little bit of a cautionary principle, just in general, mamas that are listening, if you're wanting a home birth, don't wait. That doesn't mean that you're going to be absolutely into prenatal care every week, starting at six weeks. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that home birth midwives have limits to what they can safely take. If you want them to actually be at your birth, if they take more than about four, depends on, depends on the setup, but you get to the point where people are going to start going into, birth, into labor at the same time. And then they're having to call backups that you don't know. And so it's really a good thing that they place caps on, but recognize that, especially if you're in an area with limited options, that as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you might want to go ahead and make a call just to, to get on the radar and, and to start the process of choosing your provider because they fill up. And especially if they've had, you know, like say for me, for instance, I've had, three babies and one was at home and that midwife does still serve where I'm at now. And I would want her again and I'm a repeat. And so you got to understand like a lot of times these midwives, their clients love them and they're going to call them the second they find out they're pregnant. And so they're going to fill up. And so you've got to be proactive and make the call. And just realize a lot of midwives will prioritize repeat clients over ones that they don't know because we know them and we love right. them and it's a know, relationship we want to be able to serve business, our families. So yeah, it's a relationship. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We, we get close to each other. We know it. And it's again, because I mean, how many think about it for real, how many of your friends really come over for an hour once a month and then later an hour twice a month and then later an hour every week. We don't spend that kind of time with our friends. <laughs> when you're spending that kind of time with your midwife, you know, you really get to know each other and they're there for the most important part of your life when your babies are coming into the world. Yeah. So my clock is going off in the background <laughs> and yep. I apologize. You're going to have some music, but I can't just have a big gap in the recording. So you're just going to have to hear some lovely music in the background, but at any rate, thank you so much, Rachel. I have enjoyed this so much. And if you guys have any questions, you can reach out to me or Rachel. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just really hoping that 
um, some of you mamas out there who are on the fence and really kind of, you really feel like home's the best place for you, but maybe you were a little scared, a little concerned about whether that was safe or not. I hope that this has answered a lot of questions for you and that you'll, uh, make that proverbial jump. It is a great way to have a baby. And I'm telling you that as a nurse slash midwife with over 20 years of seeing this system, I was so passionate about not setting foot in a hospital as a normal mama with a normal baby that I drove five hours away to have a baby at a home with my midwife friends because I, I knew where I needed to be. And so sometimes you have to make some sacrifices sometimes, but let me just tell you, it's worth it. And I just, I don't know hardly anyone. I really don't know anybody who regrets it, even if they had to transfer they, they still don't regret it. So I hope that, that you've learned some things and um, just thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.